this, this three-part series. It's called Three Fields, The Three Fields. And um, it's going to be interesting. And what we're going to do is we are going to sort of take uh, some words, uh, so like four verses, words that Paul spoke to Timothy, and we're going to literally spend three weeks trying to, trying to dissect these words, just dissect what it is that Paul was trying to tell Timothy. And uh, it's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 7. And it's a really unique passage. It's, uh, it's unique because Paul basically gives Timothy these three metaphors. So just in, in like four verses, he gives him three metaphors, and then he doesn't explain. Like he just he says, be, do you like this? Be like this. And then he just goes, think about it. Just think about it. And so, I don't know about you guys, but um, I don't like that. Like, I, I want somebody to break it down. You know, um, I, I, I was very frustrated early on in the church because I had a church planting coach. And we would meet, and I would just go, just tell me what to do. Just tell me. Quit with all the mystery, right? Just tell me what to do. And so, Paul kind of gives, like, this mysterious thing and says, think about it. And he says, uh, he says, endure suffering in 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 7. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And he gives a little explanation here. He says, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. So he's talking about soldiers here. He gives a little example of soldiers. And then he says, and athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. Okay? And hard-working farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Think about what I'm saying. The Lord will help you understand all these things. Well, thanks for nothing, Paul, right? Uh, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe, maybe Timothy was a lot you know, better at understanding these things. Obviously, there's some... There's some historical context here that we don't understand today. But Paul basically says, be a good soldier, be like an athlete, be like a, th- a farmer. Think about it, won't you? And um, so we're going to talk about that. And the field that I want to talk about today is the first one, is the battlefield. He's talking about soldiers. He's talking about the battlefield. And the battlefield is the realm of the soldier. And so that's, that's the first field. And I don't know about you guys. I, 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 I know I'm always like revealing my age here, uh, but I grew up in the 80s, the best decade. Yeah, uh, it is. And so, um, but I grew up in the 80s, and I was all about I was all about the 80s action movies. Does anybody enjoy 80s action films? Yeah, a couple people, right? Because like, who were the who were the heroes? They were the Green Berets. Yeah. Rambo was a Green Beret, ex-Green Beret. Uh, he, and then there was uh, the Navy SEALs. They were like the, a big deal back in the 80s. The action things, right? Uh, Chuck Norris, huh? Missing in action. Anybody? Anybody? Chuck Norris, right? Missing in action, one, two, three, and ten, yeah? And he goes, goes back to Vietnam to rescue those poor POWs that are stuck there. And uh, they, he was so... He, well, he was B.A., Cover the kids' ears, but he was BA, okay, and uh, he was he was really tough. And then you had Arnold Schwarzenegger; he fights this this alien thing, this predator, right? 
This thing, you can't really see it, but you can kind of see its outline when it's running along. And it's got dreadlocks, right? Um, Rambo. Come on. Ram- what, what does he do? He pulls off an M60 off of a helicopter, right? This is a, this is a, a mounted machine gun, an M60. And then he just starts mowing down all these guys. <laughs> right? I mean, come on. When you're 15 years old and you're watching that, that's all you need, okay? And uh, so I watched it, and, and uh, you know, I wanted to be kind of like that a little. You know, I was a kid. Of course, you see that, and you're like, yeah, I want to be a soldier. I want to be uh, untouchable. I want to be unstoppable. Anyway, uh, I want to do just a quick, really quick 80s movie, action movie trivia. Is, is that all right with you guys? Are you down for a little 80s action movie trivia? Can we get, can we get the brain assassins over here? Into it, not into it? Okay, do your best, do your best. Okay, so let's just do by, by a showing of hands. Just we'll do the showing of hands. I'll do multiple choice. We'll do showing of hands, and you can. You can yeah, there we go. Uh, in what movie did Arnold Schwarzenegger's character coin the phrase, "If it bleeds, we can kill it"? All right. So just raise your hand if you think it's the one. Was it Was it Predator? Okay. Was it Conan the Barbarian? No one. The Terminator. We got a couple people. Was it The Running Man? Ah, it was Predator. It was Predator. So we got a couple people who got that right. All right. How many Rambo movies did Sylvester Stallone star in? Was it four? You think it's four? Put your phones away. Was it five? Was it six? Was it seven? Wow. Yeah, five. Five. Some of you got five, and the rest of you abstained, I guess. The rest of you abstain. You say, I'm not going to answer that. I don't want to look dumb if I get it wrong. Okay, that's okay. Uh, okay, here's one that's a little, little bit of a deeper cut. In Big Trouble in Little China. Yes. Okay, a couple people saw that one. Kurt Russell played the action hero. Was it Jack Ryan? Jack Reacher? Jack Donaghy? Jack Burton? Yeah, okay, all right, so he's, I, I didn't think that, that that movie would be so popular, I didn't think so many of you saw that, okay. All right, Chuck Norris starred in the 80s action film, he, he starred in this 80s action film with Louis Gossett Jr., which would be, I guess, part of a, a, kind of a departure from all the other ones that he did, but okay, Chuck Norris and Louis Gossett Jr. starred in this 80s action film, was it Missing in Action? Was it Lone Wolf McQuaid? Was it Firewalker? Was it Katya? Oh, I'm sorry. Was it the Octagon? Was it the Octagon? It was Firewalker. One person dared raise their hand for that one. So far, uh, <laughs> so far, Ryan's got them all. So, okay. In Die Hard, New York City Police Department cop John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, squares off against what German terrorist? Is it Karl Vareski? Nobody? Hans Gruber? Is it Simon Gruber, his brother, or Katya? Yeah, okay, no, it was Simon, it was uh, Hans Gruber, Hans Gruber, okay. So you got that one, Ryan. You're, you're, you're in there, you're in with us. Okay, all right. What were the first words spoken by Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator? Was it, nice night for a walk? Your clothes, give them to me? The 45 long slide with laser sighting. Sarah Connor. 
Wow, okay, one person decided to get in, and they were right, and it was my son. It was cold, nice night for a walk. You got it. Did you get it too? No, okay, nice night for a walk. Yes, first, first word spoken by Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator. Okay, last one. Here we go. Let's see if you guys really remember. This, is, this will go a little deeper, right? And then I promise we'll get into the Word of God. <laughs> in First Blood Part 2, so we're getting into sequels now. First Blood Part 2. Huh? Second movie. Second Blood. That's right. Yeah, if it's First Blood Part 2, it should be called Second Blood, right? But, okay. Uh, first... <laughs> In Second Blood, John Rambo returns to, to Vietnam to rescue POWs at the behest of his old commanding officer. What was the name of his commanding officer? Was it Roger Murdoch? Okay. Was it Reed Erickson? Was it Sam Troutman? Was it Charles Napier? One person. Somebody's like, Murdoch. No! Sam Troutman. Sam Troutman. That's right. I think Cole got them all right. Did you get them all right? That's because I raised him right. That's because I raised him right. He got got all the 80s trivia right. So... All right, so I, I, I wanted to, like, after watching these movies of these guys that are clearly, you know, they were written to be undefeatable, you know, they're incredibly unrealistic, you know, it was like the, the guys that Rambo fought against were, were, had, like, the aim of a stormtrooper, right? Uh, they, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't hit him. He'd just stand there out in the open, you know, and which would never get touched by a bullet. And, um, like... I, I, but I, I thought that there was, there was some reality to that as, you know, as a teenage boy. And I wanted to be tough. I wanted to be this BA soldier with strength and ability. I wanted to be like a Navy SEAL. But most days I barely had the discipline to get out of bed uh, before noon, right? I'd crawl out of bed by noon and then start my career as a Navy SEAL somehow or another. But I didn't have that discipline. I don't know about you. A lot of times I have, I have the desire to serve the Lord well, but a lot of times... I lack the discipline. You know, I want to serve the Lord well. I want to be like Jesus. But I lack the structure uh, to, to walk in this place that Paul is really alluding to. And so fortunately for us, Paul knew um, what the most fierce fighting force in the world looked like at that time. And so when we're talking about his idea of a soldier, when he's saying that being like a soldier, he is talking about the Roman soldier. And so the Roman soldier, these guys, they were feared everywhere. They were feared around the world. They literally helped to conquer the known world. Everybody feared the Roman soldier. And so if you kind of break down, you know, the things, uh, the attributes of a Roman soldier, one of the things was that a Roman soldier was willing to sacrifice. A Roman soldier would lay his life down for Rome. He was willing to sacrifice. Uh, A Roman soldier listened and obeyed. That's a tough one. I have a hard time listening and obeying, right? Even at 51, it still takes a lot of practice. But they listened and obeyed, and that means that the soldier respected and trusted his commanding officer. A Roman soldier was loyal, was so loyal. There was loyal to their, loyalty to their commanding officer, loyalty to the kingdom of, you know, or the empire, I should say, of Rome. And lastly, a Roman soldier was devoted, extremely devoted to their duty. That was their life. That was all that they knew. That was what they did. 
And they didn't allow themselves to be distracted. Paul talks about how a soldier doesn't allow themselves to be uh, entangled in civilian affairs. It means, you know, he's not, he's not going to be distracted. He's not going to be distracted. And instead of allowing uh, their thoughts to be pulled in all sorts of direction, they kept their focus on the things that mattered most to them. And uh, it was, they were incredibly focused people. And so what, what can we learn from Paul's statement uh, to Timothy about being a good soldier of Jesus Christ? And, and so I'll, I'm just going to break that down uh, for you today. But really quick, let me say a prayer. God, we love you. And as we dig into Scripture today, I pray that you would make it come alive in us, that it would bear good fruit in us, that it would take root in our hearts, Lord. And so, Lord, make it come alive. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's say, so what we're going to do is we're actually going to flip back to the Old Testament and we're going to look at the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verses 14 and 15. And so one of the things you have to understand about Joshua is Joshua was one of the mightiest fighters and leaders in Israel's history. Joshua made Rambo look like, well, me, right? Joshua made Rambo just look like a, a, a pencil neck geek, right? To quote another 80s phrase. And uh, he, in fact, Joshua fought well into his old age. Like when Joshua was even much older, he still fought fiercely on the battlefield right next to everybody else. And what he does is he addresses Israel's people in Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 15. And he says this, he says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Right? Fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Then we say wholeheartedly. Yeah, with everything, with everything, wholeheartedly, with everything. And with loyalty, he's saying, with loyalty to the king. And he says, put away forever the idols. Put away the idols. And so in our life, uh, and in our kind of time that we live in, it's not so much that we, you know, most of us don't have like, like stone-carved idols in our house that we bow to, right? Most of them, we don't, we don't have that, but what we do have is we have a lot of distractions. We have a lot of distractions in our world. And our idols, a lot of times, will come in the form of consumerism. Sometimes our idols will come in the form of our, our own stances, our own opinions. Sometimes we make an idol of our opinions. Sometimes we make an idol of our stances or our side on something, our political sides. And sometimes we make an idol of whatever we um, feel that we gain significance from. So our idol could even be our job. Our idol could be, you know, our, uh, our, pro- our pet projects, our YouTube channel, right? Our, our podcasts, our things. Those, those could become idols in our lives, you know, uh, our, our social media. And those things can become idols. And so he's saying, serve the Lord without distraction, without distraction. And again, I'm not saying any of those things are bad. I'm just saying they can become idols. And so he says, your ancestors, put away the idols that your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and, uh, and in Egypt. Serve the, Lord, uh, serve the Lord alone. So again, he's talking about loyalty. You know, Joshua was a fighting man. So when he is speaking, he is speaking with that kind of background. He's speaking through that filter of a warrior. And so he says, serve the Lord alone. But... But, and this is something so interesting, he says, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Get off the fence. I, I love his very, uh, very sort of, sort of like warrior, you know, uh, soldier spirit here. He's saying, choose the Lord who you will serve. 
Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors, uh, that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you now live? But as for me, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Those, those words, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord, have been the sort of you know, uh, unconscious drumbeat, I think, of mine and Wendy's life for the last 20, how old is Forrest? 27 years. As for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And so uh, it, he's saying, just make this choice. Do it with loyalty. Do it without distraction. And so if you remember one thing this morning, I want you to remember this. Your commanding officer determines your playbook. And if you're like, what does that even mean? We're going to talk about this over the next three weeks. Your commanding officer determines your playbook, and your playbook determines your harvest. Your commanding officer determines your playbook. Your commanding officer, we're talking soldier language, determines your playbook. We're talking athlete language, determines your harvest. We're talking about farmer language now. You all kind of following along now just a little bit of maybe what Paul was talking about. Okay? So we all have a commanding officer, whether we choose to acknowledge that or not. Okay? Uh, we, we, we all do. And for some of us, just us. Our, our own desires, our own flesh and desires are our commanding officers. And we take our cues from our own flesh and our own desires and what we want. Okay? For some people, it's shame. Some people, their whole lives are dictated by shame. Their past, and this is what I did in my past, and now I'm, you know, I'm a loser, now I've failed, I'm a failure, and we have a sense of shame, and so our commanding officer is our shame, and our shame dictates our lives, whether we realize that's what happens or not, okay? And, uh, you know, the, the officer that we follow, you know, determines the choices that we make, right, and determines whether we're going to have a good harvest or a bad harvest, and for some people, their commanding officer is money. And they make their choices around their job. And, and you know, the money they make and, and can spend and how everything affects their money and their bottom line. And for some people, their commanding officer, and this is kind of one of those strange ones because it sounds like a really good one, but for some people, their, fam- their, their, their commanding officer is their children and their family. And their lives completely revolve around their children. Instead of putting God first, the best thing, in their choices, they put family, a good thing, in their choices. And that's, that can be a real tricky one because we know that God wants us to, to care for our family, that God wants us to love our family and, and put our family above many things, just not Him, right? And so, like, that can be a really tricky one for a lot of people. And uh, I know for me sometimes I felt like I was putting God first by, put, by putting my family first. And, and, but God was like, ah, in, in this instance, what I really want you to do is, is you know, go ahead and take that missions trip. Your, your kids will be fine for a week, you know, and things like that. And so that could be one that we wrestle with. Uh, but when our commanding officer is Jesus, we follow Jesus' playbook. We follow his instructions, right? And, uh, and when we do, we reap the best harvest. We reap it for eternity. We get to be with him. And so Jesus set the example when he lived on earth. And what did he do? He loved us sacrificially. He was obedient to his father. He gave his all for the kingdom. He gave his all for the kingdom. And, and he gave his all. He walked out his mission. And he never wavered. He was always lawyer, loyal. <laughs> lawyer. And Jesus was a lawyer. No. Uh, 
But he was always loyal. Jesus was always loyal to the Father. And so uh, the average person today, I, did, I don't know how they, 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 made, they did research, but apparently the average person makes 35,000 choices a day. 35,000 choices. And I, I guess, I guess you know, you wake up and you, you have to choose whether you're going to hit the snooze, you know, or whether you're going to get right off. And, and then you might, you know, you choose whether, you know, what your clothes you're going to wear. And, and you might choose if you're going to skip the shower. And I, and I would encourage you not to. Um, but, you know, you might, you just, we make all these choices. What am I going to have for breakfast? I want to have oatmeal. What am I going to put on there? Well, I don't know. You know, we make these choices. Am I going to take the same route to work today? Am I going to not do you take the same route? Am I going to take a different route to work? And we make 35,000 choices. And really what that is, is that's 35,000 opportunities to put Jesus first and to follow him. And think about that for just a second. How our choices would be different if we said, okay, Jesus, I want to put you first in this choice. You know, and how is that going to affect it? And what's that going to look like? And so, how, how, how does that look? The first thing is, is we, that, that choice that we need to make is we need to choose to follow Jesus. Choose to follow Jesus. It's a daily choice. It's a daily choice. And a life of serving Jesus is so much more than just a label, right? And so, sometimes people, they will take on the label of Christian. I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, no, I believe. I, I, I believe in God. And, you know, what's funny is that, you know, Jesus even said the demons even believe, right? And so, like, you know, we need to choose to follow. And what does that really look like, to follow Jesus? And it goes beyond so much more than just, well, I believe. I believe. And uh, so we need to choose to follow Jesus. A life of serving Jesus is more than just a Christian label. It's more than just, you know, a church attendance. It's, it's more than just listening to Caleb. Yeah. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. Yeah. And aren't you glad that you don't have to listen to Caleb to be a Christian? Yeah, <laughs> some people. Some people love K Love, and some people hate. It. There's, there's nobody like in between with K Love. There's nobody like, oh, I can take or leave it. You know, some people, most people, are like, ah, I don't really like it, and most, or, or, or yeah, I really like it. Uh, I knew a guy that I used to work with who was not a Christian but loved to listen to K Love. He just like because it put him in a good mood. He's like, I'm, I'm not a believer, but you know, <laughs> it sure is some happy music, man. I feel good when I get to work in the morning. I listen to it every morning on the way to work. But I'm not into that Jesus thing. And uh, so, uh, <laughs> but choose to follow him. It's following him. It's obeying his words. It's putting him first. And so the question is really, if Jesus was actually physically present with you, if Jesus was with you day by day, what would be different about the way you followed him? What would be different about the way that you lived? And, you know, it's funny because yesterday I was taking a walk around the lake and I was thinking about this question. What would be different if Jesus literally was walking with me day by day? And so I'm walking along and uh, I don't know why. I don't know why it's always Coors Light. It's always Coors Light. But there's always Coors Light cans littered around the lake. And somebody who really loves these big, tall Coors, loves, uh, Coors Light cans, they litter them everywhere. I, and it drives me crazy. And so I'm walking around the lake, and I see this Coors Light can right there where the road meets the path that goes around the back end of the lake. And I see it there, and I was like, oh, what a jerk. And I just kept walking. And then that question came. Well, what would you do if Jesus were walking with you? 
go back, pick up the can, and hold on to it till I get to the next trash can and drop it in there. And that's just one kind of silly, small example. But, you know, if, if we really believe that Jesus was walking with us, we would live differently. You know, we, would, we might choose to watch something else when we're watching TV. Or we might, not, we might choose not to watch anything at all. We might choose to love somebody instead of gossiping. We might choose to forgive somebody instead of holding on to bitterness. You know, we might choose to give our best at work instead of just trying to put in the hours, right? And so what would be different in the way that you follow him, the way that you live your life, if Jesus was physically, literally walking beside you. And so the next thing is this. Choose to trust Jesus. Choose to trust him. It's really hard to follow somebody you can't trust. It's really hard to follow somebody that you can't trust. And so when he says to step out in faith, we have to trust that he loves. We have to trust that he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him, right? We have to choose that. When he says to give sacrificially, we have to trust that he'll care for our needs and honor his work, you know, and, and, and honor his word and bless us back. Um, we do have to trust. I remember when I was going through, I, you know, karate, right? And so I was going through working to get my black belt, and there were times where I would have to spar my instructor. Now, here's the thing, is I knew that my instructor could clean my clock. Do they still say that? could kick my butt, clean my clock. I knew that he could tear me up. And so I would have to spar him. And in those times of, like, of you know, bare knuckle sparring on this guy, I had to trust that he wasn't going to hurt me. I, I just had to trust. Now, he had the skill to, he had the strength to, he had the speed to and everything. And I, and I would always kind of go into it sort of like afraid. But... I had to trust that he wasn't going to hurt me. And you know what? He never did. He never did. He was a really good guy that way. But we have to trust Jesus. We have to trust him. And so uh, it can be difficult to trust others and even trust Jesus. But trust is an action. It's not a feeling. Trust is an action. It's not a feeling. Remember I just said, you know, I had to spar this guy and I was afraid the whole time, but I still trusted him. Because if I didn't trust him, I'd just walk away and say, this isn't going to happen. But trust is an action. It's not a feeling. And so what would be different about your life if you had greater trust in Jesus, your commanding officer? What would be different about your life? You know, would you be more generous? Would you be more loving? You know, would you be more forgiving? You know, what would be different about your life if you had a greater trust in Jesus? And the last thing is, is choose to be like Jesus. Choose to be like him. We want to follow him. We want to trust him. And we want to be like him, our commanding officer, right? And so, like I said, Jesus was the perfect example of an honorable soldier. He was the perfect example of an honorable son. And, and he trusted his father. And so uh, his harvest of trusting the father and walking these things out, his harvest was us. We, we are Jesus' harvest. Isn't that amazing? Think about that for a second. All that he did, and what did he harvest? He harvested us. He saved us. He brought us. You know, Paul said we were adopted into his family, right? He, we, we're his. We're his harvest. Our lives being changed. His kingdom initiated. Life and redemption in his death and his resurrection because he trusted the Father. Trusted the Father even to the cross. Even to the cross. 
And I believe that Jesus went to the cross or went through what he did. Obviously, he was still, there was like fear. There was, he was vexed, right? I'm sorry, but I don't read the Garden of Gethsemane and I don't read about him just, you know, getting on his knees and laughing. You know, I read about him sweating blood. He didn't feel it, but he acted that trust out. Wow, that's huge. So many times we wait for the feeling. We wait for the feeling. I want to feel that trust. Or I want to feel that confidence. I want to feel that blah, 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 blah. Right? But trust is an action. It's not a feeling. And so we initiate that. And because Jesus set that example for us, we're saved. We're saved. And so how, the question is, how would the world around you be impacted if you chose to be more like Jesus? How would the world around you be impacted if you chose to be more like Jesus? How would your relationship with your kids be if you chose to be more like Jesus? How would your, uh, how would your performance at work be if you chose to be more like Jesus? I think like if all of us chose to be more like Jesus at work, our work would do pretty good. We might have some raises coming. I don't know. I'm just saying. But if we chose to be like Jesus at work. And so what I want to do is, is I just want to... Um, I just want to spend a minute and I don't, let's do this. Why don't we just close our eyes for just a second? Right? We just, let's just turn our attention to Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. The one who gave it all. The one who came and inaugurated the kingdom loves us more than anybody else. And the question is, have you really made him your commanding officer? Have you truly chosen to allow him to lead your life? Have you really chosen to allow him to, uh, to influence the way that you speak, influence your heart, influence your attitude? Because when we do that, it changes everything. Everything. What does he do? What does he do when we put our trust in him? He forgives our sins. He makes us new. He shows us a new way to live. Right? And then that relationship with him goes on and on forever and eternity. And so I just want to say a prayer. And uh, I want to encourage you today... If you need prayer for anything, to go back to see the prayer team in the back there. They would love to pray with you, love to just uh, speak words of life over you, go to the Father for you, and just pray for you. But I just want to say a quick prayer for you. Father, I ask that you would help us to understand this concept of being good soldiers in your kingdom. And, And though we know that as soldiers, we're not soldiers as such, like Rambo. We're not soldiers as such. Uh, Lord, like Chuck Norris, we're soldiers like Jesus who loved, who loved, who loved, who just loved and loved some more. And when Jesus wanted to flex his muscle and show his might, he stretched out his arms and died. Thank you, Jesus, for that picture of a soldier. And so we pray, God, that you'd help us to follow you better trust you better, choose to be more like Jesus. 
for your glory, for your fame, for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen.